Hey guys, it's Shell, your rolling MC, and this is Hitting the Streets Podcast Show. Welcome to Hitting the Streets Podcast Show. Hitting the Streets is a series of interviews giving you the insider's look at the small businesses, entrepreneurs, nonprofit organizations, and events in the North Texas area. You can find all episodes of Hitting the Streets on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, you can follow Hitting the Streets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. For more information about Hitting the Streets podcast, you can visit my website at www.hittingthestreetspodcast.com. And now, on with the show. Hey guys, it's Shell, your Rolling MC, and I'm the mouth on the mic of Hitting the Streets podcast show. Today on the show, I have Laura Lee. Is it Majernik? Is that how I pronounce that? Majernik. Majernik. See, thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. So I have her on the show tonight. It is Meet the Author. And come to find out, I was really looking at your book again today to go over some of the things that I had marked. And I noticed that we have a nice little bio on the back of that book. It's a yes. good bio. <laughs> so, so what I'd like for you to do is to introduce yourself to everybody in the audience, please, ma'am. Sure. So I am Laura Lee and as my bio states, I'm a seventh generation Texan. And yes. I yeah, and I wrote a book a few years ago. It was my first book. It was a nonfiction book. Since then, I have written a couple of fun little um sports romance novelas. And I also wrote a book, an ebook about homeschooling during uh, the lockdown. I was a homeschooling parent at the time, and it was just kind of an encouragement for people who were suddenly homeschooling. So um, I read that yeah. book because I was not encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> it's so funny. So yeah, so I've I've done a little bit of fiction and nonfiction. Cool. So tell me, so I know um, we kind of talked a little bit. When did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer? When I was four and I wanted to be Dr. Seuss. Really? Tell me a little bit more about that. I I loved the, I think like so many of us, I learned how to read, reading Dr. Seuss. And I loved the, the way the speech patterns made rhythms and then kind of drew their own pictures as well. And I was pretty hooked on books ever since. My goodness, that's good. So tell me uh, about this book. So this book that we're going to be talking about is Interference, a book that you that you wrote. Um, what made you decide to write this book? At the time of the cases and when this story first started breaking nationally, I was doing a podcast for college sports and I was covering um, college games, not, not, not the pros, just the college oh, games. Okay, okay. And once, once you get on Twitter and social media and people know that's what you're doing, they'll kind of funnel things to you. And so I had a couple of people ping me like, hey, did you see this? What is this going on? And realizing it was from Texas Monthly. So I started looking into it and I was so 
astounded because at that time on my podcast, I had the police blotter and it was players who had gotten in trouble in the past week. And it was kind of a, it was an unfortunate frequent feature. So this sort of just put everything together for me and especially being um, a Texas school. So I just kind of went to work on researching that and it's been, it took two years. I was going to say, how long did it take you to write the book? Two years? Yeah, two years. And some of that was because there were times I had to just put it away and not look at it because it was so emotional. It was a very difficult topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you found the story through people sending it to you because of your podcast? Did yes. Saying that right? Yeah. So exactly. I was looking through the book again. And of course, just so you can see, I've got my little markings here. <laughs> Good for you. Good. Because I was like, I need to talk to her about that. And what does this mean? <laughs> and what does that mean? But I mean, part, I mean, you, you explained a lot of things, but what did you mean by the money making me grinder? That title right there. <laughs> Some fun alliteration. Um, I really, I, I find it so sad on some level that these young men, you know, 18 to 20, 22, mm -hmm. get in there, give it their all. Um, don't get paid. Yes, they get an education, but they're, yeah. they're, they're doing it with the hope that they will go to the pros. And as yeah. we know, that's, that's, that's not going to happen for everybody. Yeah. And heaven forbid they get hurt because if their career is over, what happens next? That's so, point, right. and they make a lot of money for the schools. Yeah, their their talent makes a lot of money for the schools because okay. football makes so much money. It's a, it's you know again just something un unreal. Football. Yeah, it's yeah. God bless Texas and God bless yeah. football. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so this is going to be like a a, a touchy subject, um, mm -hmm. but the Jane Doe's. Um, yes. It says behind the Jane Doe labels. So let's talk just a little bit about that. And as reading this, um, from my understanding, there were 10. There are now 15. So one to 10? It's, it's 15 now. Is it 15 now? Yeah. So kind of tell us yeah. a little bit about that piece. There is no one composite Jane Doe. You know, these are 15 women with 15 different stories they are not all connected to the football team that was that was a big thing I learned too this was um tennis team fraternity and in some cases just other guys on campus what what became the really big story to me was how the institution handled these cases which was not frankly for a Christian school it was not terribly Christian right. in my opinion I, I, really, I yeah. was reading something about um something related to therapy and, and someone ran out of therapy time and couldn't go back and they had to figure out how to get their therapy on their own. Did I, is something to that effect? Yes. Yeah, something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then some of the questions that they were asking, they avoided the answer or really gave an answer, but it wasn't really a definite answer, you know? Right. Just avoided right. it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, like I said, a lot of this stuff, which guys, you need to buy this book it's on Amazon. Is that correct? Amazon, correct. Yeah. Yeah. To read a little bit more into it. We only have a certain amount of time, but 
the the Jane Doe Joe Jones, the Jane Doe's really um, had. I mean, there were victims in all of this. I mean, they were. Yeah, a they lot were trying to tell their story, and it's almost like they didn't want to believe them. Correct. They were they were victims of the institution as much as of the crime that happened against them. And that's why they filed the suit against Baylor because of the way they were treated. Treated. Frankly. Yeah. Now, yeah. These ladies that it happened to these Jane Doe's, did their parents know? In some, by now, obviously by now they all do. Well, but in know, some know, but cases. Like in the beginning, I, I kind of felt right. like the parents were like. They They were immediately right. They were afraid for their parents to find out. Um, In one case, if I remember correctly, best of my recollection, um, it was almost like they would threaten, well, we'll, we'll tell mom and daddy you were drinking and that's how this happened, you know, type of thing. It was, oh, so sad. It really, really depressing, you know, um, type of thing. So, um, yeah. They didn't have any advocates is what I'm hearing. They did not. And that was the fundamental flaw with the institution from the way I read it, Mm -hmm. was that there was not a clear policy in place for how the university was supposed to handle these cases. It's it was almost a Pollyanna type of attitude where how could that possibly happen here? Because, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times you want to idealize college and the college experience and um, a campus. And I think it is easy to forget that there's a really big responsibility Absolutely. for an institution as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is this about the um, the campus culture? So that's another one too, what you mm-hmm. learned about Baylor's campus culture. So tell me a little bit about Baylor and then let's talk about that piece. It is still very um, entrenched in kind of some Southern Baptist tradition, not as much as it once was. It has kind of taken some steps back from that, but in some of the higher ups, uh administration level it was kind of like they weren't they weren't quite in the 20th century let alone 21st you know <laughs> okay i follow so, you <laughs> yeah so that and that again that can be problematic because yeah. there are there are things that are going to touch humanity period you know people do women do get assaulted men get assaulted you know men these things assaulted, do right. yeah this does happen and they weren't quite prepared for how to deal with that fallout. How to handle it. Yeah. 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 And and when when the team was winning too, do you want to go against the football team? You know, I mean that sort of thing because and that's that was another big piece because that's that's like I say at the end of the book, yellow flag on all of us yeah, because we flag. do <laughs> we we get so involved, we get so yeah. absorbed I, that we forget yeah. these are people. Yes. I mean, I'm one of those people too. I, you know, back in the days I was just religiously watching college football and pro football and I was all following them, their stats, what they're doing, how they train and everything they caught up. Stuff like this would never have even, I would have not even thought about, you you know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, there's things that go on. Right. And I was just Mm -hmm. seeing if I would have saw that in the headlines, would I have really even paid attention considering that I really would have paid attention if it was just football? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Y- you know, I, is it, I don't know. If I would have. Now this happened in 2016, correct? 
Correct. Yeah. Okay. When the, well, uh, the, some of the assaults were before that, but the suit came together in 2016. So yeah. what was your most surprising things that you learned when you were you when you were doing this book, when you were creating this book? What was some of the surprising things that you learned in the two years that you were doing this? Um, how for all the progress that is made in relationships in what women can accomplish, there are still some things that there are still hurdles. There are still things to overcome. Yeah. Absolutely. There yeah. is. I think more now than ever, you got these type of situations that is going on. You got human trafficking that's going on. Mm-hmm. You got things going on with our kids right now. And it's just a, oh my God, so much. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to yeah. Um, it what was the most challenging part about writing this book? Holding these women in my heart because I, I, I did. And I, I do have a little blurb at the back about how I got to know a few of them personally, but I won't, I, I can't divulge it. And, and, no, and I won't, no. you know, Oh, I know, I know. But, but, you know, you, 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 you keep that, you know, you really keep that. And so, like I said, there were times I had to put it away. I, I just couldn't think about it. And, and write on it. Did they so. trust you enough to, to talk to you about, so you, because I know a lot with this book, you have a, like two or three or maybe four pages of acknowledgement and footnotes and different things that you did all your research that you uh so people can go look the court records the files I mean yes kinds of stuff that you put in here to to show what happened yeah and that was something I was really a stickler about because I didn't want people to think oh I made this all up no here's where they stated in this document you know type of thing so um when this story broke because it started around football, the, the blowback on social media from Baylor fans, was they were very angry. They were very agitated. So anybody who wanted to speak against the situation, you know, they could really annihilate you on social media. Oh, I am God. pleased. To, yeah. I am pleased to say cancel that. Culture. I, oh, exactly. This was like proto cancel culture. I am pleased to say that there were some Baylor fans read the book and contacted me and said, you know what? I actually agreed with about 90% of what you said. Good for you. So I think to get that kind of compliment from people who were very um, upset about the whole thing, I mm-hmm. felt like that was, um, I don't know, I felt good about that, that I really did try to bring a balance to the conversation that I had, I had sought. Good for you. Okay, so let's talk about one more thing about this book. Sure. Um, I think this is what, you know... I'm glad you did this. Um, it's toward the end where you talk about false reporting. Mm, yes. And um, and this part, this part right here, I'm just going to read for the audience. The numbers for false reporting may be small, but to a man falsely accusing of a serious crime, that small percentage does not matter. As an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and a mother of two sons, I draw the conclusion women do not deserve to be sexually assaulted and men do not deserve to be falsely accused of sexual assault. I absolutely agree with you on that. I have a son and I have three beautiful granddaughters and mm-hmm. I would not want anything like that to happen to either one of them or be falsely accused of anything. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, yeah. you put that in there. It's just because of your boys. 
Yes. Um, I, part of my research was watching Fantastic Lies about the Duke Lacrosse case. And when you watch it, and I don't know, I think that's why it's a good thing for us to have sons, you know, <laughs> because yeah, really, it really does help you remember, hey, that could have been my kid. Did mm -hmm. they do something stupid? Oh, mm -hmm. they did something stupid, but they didn't deserve what happened. Right. They didn't deserve to be falsely accused. And I think if that's happened to anyone, um, if it's your, if that could be your son. I mean, and that's really what it comes down to. Very true. I, you know, I've dealt with a lot of different things and God forbid if that happened, because I really don't know what my reaction would be. <laughs> and, and how do you be proactive in that? You know, so my yeah. process is educate. You educate yes. your children on certain situations to be aware of and and don't put yourself in those situations. Do you know what yes. I mean? So education yes. is the key. And I know I have educated my son growing up. What he does as a grown person right. ain't got nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> you made that right. choice. But anyway, yes. but as, as a child growing up, and even with my granddaughters, just try to teach them and educate them. And wouldn't you agree that, you know, educating and, and you know, being that person to kind of make them understand that their awareness and what's going on, how things can happen. Yes, I can. I, I like to say there are no guarantees that you won't be assaulted and there are no guarantees you won't be falsely accused. But if you think some things through, you can certainly reduce risk. Yes. Yes. I like so, that. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So um, what advice do you have to help others become better writers? One of the best things I did was The Artist's Way. I'm probably not the first person to say it. Um, the Artist's Way was very helpful. And then just piggybacking off of that, what is your process? You know, um, what can you do and try to do something different? I will write goofy three-word three word poems on Twitter just for to stretch myself a little bit, you know, just to try to do a little bit of something different um and then just explore Re respect your creativity for the sake of the creativity okay that's great mm -hmm. all right so moving into now how is the case do you have any updated information before we wrap up about the cases that are going on there i'm so glad you went there i did check on that and as of yesterday it has not seen a courtroom so um, there have been motions, you know, the, everybody has gone to court, but there has not been a trial for this case yet. And um, wow, I had no idea it would take this long. I really didn't. Yeah. Do you, do you have an idea of why it's taking so long? In my opinion, on just a very cursory glance, um, Baylor is kind of challenging just about everything mm -hmm. the uh, the plaintiff's attorneys bring gotcha. out. So gotcha. yeah, they want to fight that a lot. And I'm here to tell you, if it does make it, I really want to cover it. Oh, you because should. Because I just I, I went so far. Yeah. You know, it's like I can't. You should. And if you do, you should come back and tell us because I would love to have an update. I would. Yes, I would love to share that. So yeah. tell us where we can find your books. Where are they on sale? And how do we get a hold of, of Interference and everything? Yeah. So my, my nonfiction, Interference, is under my name, Laura Lee Majernik. Um, The best way to search it on Amazon is Interference Baylor. Okay. Uh, yeah, to put the two, both terms in there in the search bar. And then my um, fiction is Catherine Moore. 
that is my nom, my nom de plume, if you will. And that is, I took all my sports blogging and sports podcasting and put it into making a little small town in Texas where a coach falls in love with a player's mom. And it's not dirty, but it's, it's goofy. It's more like rom-com kind of. (laughs) I can do dirty. But it's more like funny, you know, type yeah. of thing. Okay. So, yes, that's I Catherine Moore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. So, um, yeah. you're going to have to come back if you find any more updates about this because I'm, because I'm following it. I would like to know. And I'm sure the audience sure. would love to have an update. Love to. Love to. Sounds All right. Great. Well, that's it, guys. That's for, for me. And you have any final thoughts or anything you would like to say before we shut this down? <laughs> Enjoy your creativity. Awesome. Well, thank you, Laura, for being on the show. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.